Church, we're really blessed to have our founding pastor, Pastor Peter, coming to bring the word to us this morning. And I'd love it if you could make him feel really, really welcome as he comes to share with us now. Thanks, Church, and good morning to you. Good to be at church, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Good God. Amen. And what good news uh, for us that uh, four has gone to two. That means all you on, on the um, online, there's, you've been sacrificially staying away. Well, we've got room for you next week. We invite you to come. It'll be terrific to see you there. This season that we've been, this um, COVID season, of course, has meant that um, lots and lots of services and sermons have been um, added to the web. Um, just about every church I know is doing something now at the moment. So I thought I should just give a little survey to start off with. Um, if you've listened to a sermon via YouTube or one of any of the platforms, actually, or listen maybe to a podcast over a long period of time, and those that are on, online, you'll be able to put your hand up here. Uh, if you have done that, um, just indicate if you at some point have done that in the last six months. There we go. Well, that's a lot of people. I'm glad you're doing that. Excellent. Well done. Uh, good work. Let me just test this one. Um, Who's listened to an overseas speaker or an interstate speaker? Like you, you've gone beyond here and you've listened to somebody else somewhere around the world. Put your hand up. Give us a look. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot as well. I'm glad to know that actually because you know what? There's a lot of sermons out there and they're a lot better than watching telly. Let me just tell you that. A lot, lot better than watching telly. Except, of course, there is a little problem that can be um, when we listen to things around the place and it's one of Satan's traps actually and it's something which has plagued and damaged the church of Jesus Christ from the very beginning. The danger that I'm speaking about here is sectarianism um, which the Oxford describes, um, uh, um, defines as this, an excessive, excessive attachment to a particular sect or party especially in religion. It's a problem that is all around our world, and it's not just in, in, in religion, of course, but it's a problem. It can be a big problem in, ch in church life. Um, it, it stems, of course, from our sinful natures, and of course our, you know, our, our default position is um, this one. Um, we are right, and everyone else is wrong. That's just where we always go, isn't it, there? Yes, and so that's easy to get a little bit sectarian and all of that. How many individuals and, and groups have left a particular church without the blessing of that church and decided to start somewhere else again? They're going to set up something purer and better or whatever it might happen to be over the last year, over the last 2,000 years, in fact. How many? It's been a lot, hasn't it? A lot. Now, we all have to be careful here because... Um, like most sins, they're easier to spot in others than they are in ourselves. And we as Baptists, of course, you might know this, but we come out of a dissenting tradition. Um, and Jesus obviously knew that sectarianism was going to be a problem or he wouldn't have prayed for what? Unity in his high priestly prayer when he prayed for all of us. So why I'm introducing this this morning, because we've landed in a section of God's word this morning that I pray will be helpful for us to check whether we and those that we are listening to are building up the church of Jesus or whether they're pulling it down. Now, if you're thinking that that should be pretty easy to determine, well, let me read just one sentence from the couple of chapters that we're going to consider this morning. It says this, Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of what? Of light. Yes. He can look very good, Satan. 
as we'll see, that the promoters of divisiveness can be harder to discern than you think because they can appear very, very spiritual. Now, we're in this series, um, um, Let Light Shine Out of Darkness, and this morning we're in chapters 10 and 11 of 2 Corinthians. We're getting through this book. It's been a terrific series for us. And so I want to just, um, while you're looking up, I just want you to set the context of these particular chapters that we're going to have a look at this morning. Paul had planted the Corinthian church, as we read in Acts 18. He'd stayed there for one and a half years to help the believers there get established in their faith. But, but he then moved on to some more missionary work as he was um, called to do by Jesus. And the trouble was that as he left this church, then they started to struggle with some problems, immorality, spiritual immaturity, um, issues that he addressed in 1 Corinthians. Um, but, but in 2 Corinthians, there's a big problem and it lies in a set of teachers that had arrived in the church who were questioning Paul's credentials as an apostle. It, it would seem a majority of the church in Corinth was staying loyal to Paul, but there was a disaffected group who were very impressed with these new teachers and they were warming to these um, criticisms of Paul's apostolic leadership. Does it sound familiar, does it? It does to me. This is what the church has grappled with over the millennia. Now, let me be upfront about these teachers. They did not have an orthodox view of the gospel. There's, there's more at stake here at Corinth than just an argument about what the colour of the carpet could, you know, should be. You know, that splits some churches, you do know that. But the divisive tactics of these false teachers are, are so insightful when we are evaluating those who are influencing our thinking as Christians, be that via online preachers, or in conversations that we have with people here or beyond here. So that's where we're going this morning. So are you ready? Here we go. Let me begin. First two verses of chapter 10. I'm going to jump around a little bit in these two chapters. So see if you can stick with me. If you've got your Bibles there, it'd be terrific. It'll be on the screen as well. It says this. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you went away. I beg that I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Tactic one. The divisive love to impugn the motives and the actions of others. The main objection here that the that the teachers had about Paul was that he sounded so authoritative when he was a long way away through his letters, but when he got present, he, he was very timid, very, very weak. And their take on this sort of weakness, this vacillation, um, re- revealed that, that, that Paul, this is how they perceived it, revealed that he was a man lacking in spiritual power, a man operating in mere human strength living by the the standards of this world. The contradiction between his words and his actions indicated that he was really a man who lacked the spirit. Now, we know, obviously, that that was far, far from the truth. The meekness that Paul expressed here is the same meekness which Christ demonstrated, which is what? A slowness to anger. 
As Christ's primary purpose in his first coming was to establish and extend God's mercy um, to the world, so, so too God's purpose in not being bold was to extend mercy to the Corinthian church. It was no lack of conviction on Paul's part, but a patient longing for people to repent. The divisive, they are always quick to impugn. You'll spot this. They're quick to judge. They're quick to jump on the smallest and perceived wrong or inadequacy of others and say they're doing it for this reason. When anyone despises the meekness and ordinariness of others in the church, they are in fact revealing that they are the ones operating in human strength and human pride. Hear that this morning. Be wary of those who take us down those paths. Be very wary. The divisive love impugning others and they also love drawing attention to their abilities, their credentials, their knowledge and experiences which reveal how important their ministry is. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise, or as the New Living translates it, how ignorant, how ignorant these people are. These teachers had developed a very impressive list about how valuable they were. They had letters of recommendation, very good pedigree as Jewish missionaries who had travelled so far to Corinth to minister. They were very gifted speakers. They had amazing spiritual experiences to recount. And in, and in chapter 5, verse 12, we read, they, they made sure others were aware of their spectacular ministry. Paul's assessment. Those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having what? Sincere hearts. Now, when you put a list like that down, you would probably think to yourself, well, who'd be taken in by such, you know, arrogance and pride? But obviously some in the Corinthian church were being drawn to these apparently gifted men. There is, there is, there is enormous drawing power in the dynamic, isn't there? In the, in the knowledgeable, the, the fluent, the deep, the, the powerful, the, the opinionated. And that's why it's important we do some biblical checking on the heart of those who are prominent and influential in our thinking. The heart, folks. It's the heart you want to have a look at. But before we, before we see how, how, how Paul responded to these, you know, self-commending um, super apostles, there's another common trait you notice about the divisive. They always seem to be found in those places where the gospel work has already been done by others. Listen to this, verse 12. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. There's this great heart for evangelism that was in Paul. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory. It was Paul's gospel work that had led, to the, led the Corinthians to faith in Jesus. 
these teachers, they had done nothing to initiate or build the church in Corinth. Yet here they were claiming credit for what was taking place. The divisive, that they always seem to end up in places where others have done the work of leading folks to Christ. You see it almost every time someone comes to faith. I've seen this over the 20 plus years I've been ministering here. We get a new Christian come in and, and I can almost guarantee it, next minute there will be a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon on their door. That, that, I, it's, they're like a madman, new Christians. It's because Satan, you see, ranging things. Vulnerable. Those that can easily be taken in. You see it too in those who are, are new in the faith. They, they seem to be targeted by people who want to draw people into their particular camp. Adopt their special insight into the Christian faith. Think about this for a moment. Who's it easier to, to convince of a lie, a child or an adult? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? You think about it. You can easily fool a kid. Harder to fool an adult. The divisive, that they, they just love collecting followers who will be impressed with how much they know, their spe- special insights into the Bible and the world. And then they will make sure that everyone knows how fruitful they are, how many have been impacted by their spiritual understandings and godliness. But listen, listen, this is how it ends in chapter 10. Paul speaks about the only form of boasting which is appropriate. And there is a boasting that's appropriate. There is. This is what it is. 2 Corinthians 10, 17, 18. Listen. But, Paul writes, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. There is is only one commendation that counts, and that is God's. It's his, one and only. There is actually only one person to compare your life with, by the way, and his name is Jesus. And that keeps us all in a humble place, doesn't it? It does. And there's only ever one thing that we can legitimately boast about, And that is the work that God has accomplished through us, what he has done through us. The moment we we sense or or we, we see in ourselves or others any sign of self promotion, the lifting up of oneself over those who are less, an exclusivity, a special distinctiveness, a a flouting of gifts and, and abilities, then church, what? Beware. You beware. You beware. Paul's quote here in verse 17 is actually a summary of, of Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. Let me read the full version to you. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness and justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. There is nothing wrong with wisdom. It's a blessing. There's nothing wrong with strength. Blessing. 
Nothing wrong with riches, blessing, or any other capacity as long as they always are seen as a gift from God. And they produce in our lives and in our ministries and the lives of others in their ministry, kindness and justice and what's good and what's right on earth. You're getting these? You're getting all these? Yeah. These, these are the checkers for us. There's just one more that I wanted to mention this morning. One more, we've got, one more we've got time. There's other things that are here, but this one. It's found in um, the next chapter. So let me read from verse five. This is 12.5. I do not think I am the, in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by receiving support from them so as to serve you. And when I was with you and needed something, I was not a burden to anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continue to do so. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. The issue of money is always so revealing in our lives. As we looked at last week, as Pastor Nation shared that great word for us. If you missed it, make sure you, you have a listen. Be a good one to podcast this week. And it's very, very important when you're assessing prominent preachers, teachers. When, when Paul ministered at Corinth, he actually refused to accept any financial support, even though he was entitled to it. He was as an apostle. Because he didn't want anything to obscure the proclamation of the salvation of Jesus Christ as a free gift. In this particular city, he didn't do this in every place, but in Corinth, this is what he did. Now, you and I would be thinking, well, that's certainly a sign that, that Paul was a person of you know, great integrity and, and self-sacrifice. But the divisive, as we've already seen, actually, they love to twist what's good and noble they love to sow seeds of suspicion and doubt for their own selfish purposes. The, the insinuation that they make was um, that Paul's refusal to, to accept any support from his converts was pointing to the fact that he actually wasn't a real apostle because real apostles, they get paid. You know, they, they get support. Well, he didn't get support, so... That means he's not a real apostle. Can you see the twist of that sort of thinking? That's what, that's what they do. It's the impugning of motives. The depth of this criticism is actually seen when Paul says in verse 7, was it a sin? So they're obviously making out this is a sin for him not to have done that, for me not to ask for money. Some two in the Corinthian church we're interpreting um, Paul's preference to receive money from the church of Macedonia and not from them. Well, that pointed to the fact that he loved them more than he loved the Corinthians. You see that twist again? 
The real story was that Paul didn't want to burden them as young believers in any way. It was actually a sign of his great love for them. That's why he says, I love you. I love you. The false teachers who were stirring up the trouble, of course, they got some really, really different motives when in this space. They, they wanted their impressive teaching role to be certified, you know, registered as okay, um, that they were the rigid did so that they could keep demanding what financial support. They get the bona fides so that they can make the demands. The divisive, hear this this morning, the divisive, they don't really love the church. Did you know that? They love themselves. They love themselves and they love fostering their world and their kingdom. Get that? That's what it is. And Paul gave a withering criticism, actually, of those who preach for what they can get out of it. 2 Corinthians 2, 17, un, uh, 17, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity. It's to do with the heart. As those sent from God, and then these words about you know, the bondage um, the so-called super apostles bring. 2 Corinthians 11, 19, 20. You gladly, you gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. No, this is already in here. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. When those who thrive on, on self-interest and, and division, when those people are given responsibilities, authority over people and over churches, then you know what results? Enslavement. That's what it is. Enslavement results. They demand loyalty. They demand financial support. They indicate that you will not be blessed by God unless you deliver on what they demand. In fact, you'll be sinning if you don't do what they say. And sadly, 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 so many over the years have embraced th these sort of teachers and embraced their pounding and their controlling manipulation and their abusive and destructive ways. False teachers, they will look and sound very impressive, very authoritative, very knowledgeable, very spiritual, but they are really hirelings. Did you get that, what they are? They're hirelings. They don't actually love the body of Christ. They love themselves and they usually love the sound of their own voices more than anything. That's them. So how do we resist these deceiving and divisive strategies of the darkness? You know, how do we resist this? Well, first of all, we do what we're doing today. This is why God's got us in these couple of chapters. He's, he's making us alert. That's why, you know, make us wise in Christ. To, to all the schemes of, of the devil to, to lead us 
in the wrong places, to lead us into divisive things, to lead us into rebellion. And we need to be more alert than ever, church, I'm telling you, because there's a whole lot of things swirling out there at the moment. We've got to be alert, so alert. Don't underestimate the great danger that abounds in the array of teachers in the Christian world. I'll tell you that because some of them will, will be, some of them will be a ruse from the darkness to lead you into spiritual adultery. Did you know that? Mm. Listen to what Paul wrote. I am jealous for you. This is about Corinthian church. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's, serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. In other words, they were being led into adultery. That's what he's saying. Because it wasn't the real deal. And we need vigilance concerning all the subtleties that are found in those who purport to teach and preach the Christian gospel. That following Jesus' example is how we are made right with God. That's sufficient. That's all you need to do. That the kingdom has already come in its fullness so the spirit delivers us from sufferings and um, 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 makes available to us now all the blessings that, that our commitment to the law will produce more abundant spiritual life. That, that special revelations take us to places of, of greater nearness to God. You know, there's a whole array of stuff out there. But it's not just, it's not just the danger of false teachings. We also need to be alert to the spirit of arrogance, the spirit of pride, rebellion, which fuels the divisiveness and the hijacking, actually, of the devotion of God's people to God himself. So question this morning, how do we resist every strategy of the darkness? How do we resist? How do we take on the pride that we face in our own lives, the risk of that in within us and, 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 and in the lives of those around us? The, the pride that so often gives the devil a foothold into our lives and, and into our churches? How do, how, how do we overcome every attempt by Satan to prevent or corrupt our devotion and love for Christ? How, how do we guard against that? Well, let me read one more section, the last section from chapter 10. You ready? It says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war, this was verse three. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. It's always mercy first, folks. It's always mercy. Opportunity. There is judgment. There is judgment. Any, any attempt, this is, the, this is the point about it. any attempt to resist satanic forces in our own strength, it is doomed to failure. And a lot of people tried to do it this way. Think about this. If Paul had, had used his own personality, his own arguments, you know, brought some emotional pressure to bear or something or other to get these guys to change their mind in the Corinthian church who had sided with the super apostles. Then the darkness would have remained as entrenched as it, as it began. It'd still be there. But spiritual weapons, they are a very, very different story. The strongholds of satanic deception, the towers, and it's like towers, these strongholds of human pride, the, the divisive rebellion that was threatening the well-being of the church in Corinth. They are vulnerable to divine power, but hear this this morning. I want to be encouraged as we conclude. The arguments, the, the claims, the assertions that, that Paul's opponents had made against him, they're actually exposed, as Paul writes this letter, this divinely inspired letter, I should say, as Paul is affirmed as a true apostle of the crucified and risen Jesus. And as we'll hear next week, um, in particular, in his weakness, the, the mighty power of God's display. Now, now, if you're wondering about the extent of the victory that happened on this particular occasion, well, ju just, just let me know that 2,000 years later, here we are in 2 Corinthians reading it this morning. So I think there was a mighty victory won. Was there not? Spiritual forces. Spiritual weapons, they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, Paul doesn't specifically say what these, these weapons are, but we've been to Ephesians 6, you know, truth, righteousness, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, faith, salvation, the word of God, praying in the spirit. They're good starting places, the weapons that have been made available to us and others in Scripture. And when we really do use these, hear this this morning, when we use these, then the light of God shines into long darkened places. It, it shines into the places where there is deeply entrenched pride and, the, and, and hardness of hearts. They are actually transformed by the mercy and grace of God. I, I, don't be depressed this morning about what we're engaged in. We are victors in Jesus Christ and he has given us incredible weaponry. Amazing. Now, I want to strengthen your faith. The strongholds of pride and unbelief and rebellion can be demolished and thoughts made captive to Jesus. My mother's uncle, um, who actually adopted her, he adopted my mum, he remained um, steeped in his pride and his resistance to the gospel all his life. He was a man that had a foul mouth on him, drunk, gambled, wasted a whole lot of stuff, rude to people. There were some good qualities about him, but there was this side to him that was pretty hard, I can tell you. It really was. He used to take me to school and back. He didn't have any interest in the gospel until 
a Christian nurse in the final months of his life, invited him to repent of his sins in a hospital place. Maybe she was breaking the rules, I don't know or not, but anyway, I'm sure glad she did. And my grandfather, because that's who he was, submitted his life to Jesus Christ and asked for forgiveness. And I'm going to be in heaven with my grandfather, praise God, because of the grace and mercy of a man who had been so full of pride and opposition to God all his life. Because that's what happens, you see, when people pray and use the mighty weapons. Our God is so mighty. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, that story has been repeated again and again and again, including in this very church, including right at the very moment, these amazing, wonderful things are happening, church. I've got to tell you that. It's mighty. It's mighty. This week too, I, I just happened to write to my friend Philip Adams, well-known atheist, broadcaster, writer in the Australian, one of our nation's living treasures. I just popped something off to him again. You think that every time I preach, I'm sending off a message to him, but it wasn't like that. It just I was prompted early this week. This is what I wrote. This is what I wrote. I usually write in response to one of your articles. But this morning on top of my hill, I was just reminded of you. I know you consider others far worthier of prayer than you, because we heard that from Al last time we, we sent something, but was still prompted to lift you up to the one who values and cares so deeply about every person. It seems that the greatest man who ever lived on planet Earth, who made it all and continues to reign and sustain our world, wanted to remind you that he's thinking of you today. Unworthy though we all are, he gave his life for us. Have a good day and look forward to next week's article. I got a reply. Came actually within about 10 minutes. This is what he said to me. Yeah. He's a long-term atheist, you know that, don't you know? Yeah, so, you know. He said, you're very sweet, Pete. <laughs> he loves calling me sweet Pete. <laughs> and then he said, no pun intended, so I'll sort of I take it as being okay. And then he always sort of goes off on a little bit of a tangent, but I have a listen to this one. Sadly, many people consider Trump the greatest man who ever lived, but your bloke has the better claim. That's good theology. Didn't you get that? That's an atheist. Good theology. And then he said, thanks for your kindness. Well, I'm going to keep praying for that man, aren't I now? Weapons. The weapons that God makes available to us. For the pulling down of strongholds, you see. Why can't the light yet shine? In Philip's heart, he let it shine in my grandfather's, you know. Why can't he do that in Philip's? He can, you know, he can. That's what God said. The theme of this series we're in, let light shine out of darkness. Made his light 
For God, he said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. Shine in our hearts. To give us what? The light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Wow. His lights are amazing, folks. It overwhelms the darkness. The darkness flees. The Satan is flushed out. This is our God. And he's been doing it for millennia. And he's going to continue to keep doing it. He's going to do it in this church and do it in those that we love and care about. So as we conclude this morning, there's just three simple responses there here. Just listen with your heart for a moment, the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's some here this morning or maybe there's some that are watching online. And, and God wants to shine into your heart. You've, you've never surrendered. You've never asked, asked God to forgive you. You've not been born of the Spirit. You haven't got the light of Jesus in you. Well, this morning, this morning, this morning, this morning, that can be so. Oh, wow. It's happening, folks. It's happening. And it can happen to you. It can happen to you. If you've not gone there before, go there this morning. I invite you, surrender your life to the one who reigns over all. Our God's reigning. But this is the season of mercy. This is the season to be right with God. For others here this morning, the Holy Spirit may have been alerting you even this morning about places of pride in your life. We all grapple with these things, folks. We all do. Don't think this is for others. This is for all of us. Maybe there are strongholds in your life and they're based on the lies of the deceiver. And you say, I just have to stay in that part. That's got to be a dark part of my life. No, 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 no. You're here this morning from Jesus. The power of his word. With the armour that is yours, that's been given to you in Jesus Christ to take captive the rebellious thoughts and teach them, teach them to obey Jesus Christ. That is for someone this morning. I know that. You know, take these things captive, fresh and anew this morning. With the light of Jesus, shine into your heart and shine into that space. Don't live with these things. Don't live with the pride, whatever it might be. And there's one last response. And that's for maybe many here this morning. That you have those around you that are living in pride-filled towers, have been resistant to God for so long. And you look at them and you think, how could that person ever, ever come into the kingdom? How could the light ever shine into that heart? Well, I want you to hear this morning. You take up your weapons and you pray the truth of God's word here this morning. Have faith, have faith, folks. Our God is greater than the darkness. Isn't that true? He is greater than the darkness and every tower that's been raised up. And so as we conclude and we we sing the song that, you know, that we sang before, that He reigns over all things. And we want Him to reign over our lives, not be in resistance to Him. 
Well, as we sing that song, I just want to invite you. If you've got someone that's in the entrenched place, you know, the big tower, well, I invite you just to come to the front, pray a prayer, then just head back to your seat, you know. No, no one pray with you down here. This is just you to pray this prayer. But it's a sign of faith, you see. You're, you're taking up your spiritual weapons that are yours this morning. And you're asking for Jesus Christ to win a victory. To win a victory. So if the Holy Spirit's speaking, you'll know who that person is or persons. You'll know who it is. Well, I invite you this morning, make a statement in the spiritual realm. Make it. Call out for Jesus' light. Come and shine. Let's stand. We're going to sing together, Lord. Hear our prayers this morning. Thank you. We're so conscious, Lord. You've been with us all morning long. You dwell in the praises of your people. Thank you. You're the good, good God. You are the good God. And you reign. Oh, Lord, you reign. And dark powers are not greater than you, great God. Nowhere near as great as you. Some temporary powers, Lord, that they've been granted. For the working out of your holy purposes. Well, we're praying this morning, great God, for victories to be won this very morning. Oh God, make us alert to those that we listen to, Lord, that it'll be good stuff we're getting into our hearts and lives. Not, 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 not the stuff, Lord, that pulls down and destroys. God, save us from that. Guard us from the, from the, from the proud and the arrogant, Lord, we pray. May we be discerning as a people, Lord. May we be mature. May we not be like children, but, but like adults, Lord. Wise, we would pray in the Holy Spirit. We pray for the young believers among us, Lord, that we'll guard and protect and keep them near, Lord. We'll love them well, we would pray. Oh, Lord, we pray against hirelings, Lord, we do. Love themselves. Don't love the flock. Guard us, Lord, from that, we would pray in Jesus' mighty name. For some here this morning, at least one, Lord, I know, and and your light, Lord, has come to shine in this morning. Well, Lord, may there be good surrender there, we would pray. A humbling, Lord, a faith and belief for, for a change, a transforming of the, of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Oh, the light, the light of Jesus, the flesh out the darkness, we pray. And then, Lord, these ones we're going to pray and bring to you, Lord, in just a moment. Lord, you are here. You hear every prayer of your people, Lord. And we take up the weapons that you have given to us, Lord. The word of God and prayer. The Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us. So do your mighty work now. We would continue your mighty work. We would pray in Jesus' mighty mighty name. Amen, amen. Come, let's sing together. He reigns, folks. He is the light giver. He's the life giver. Come, let's be faithful this morning. You come as soon as you want to. If you want to pray down here, just come right now. Then just head back to your seat as we sing this song together. He reigns our Lord. Be faithful this morning. Oh, great and mighty God, the darkness trembles. The darkness trembles this morning as we declare you reign. You reign over all the universe, great God. He is the defeated one. You have won the victory, great God. And we stand in the light of that victory this morning, Lord, that Your light will shine in the darkness. The darkness will not and cannot overcome it, great God. And so we declare this truth this morning again. We sing it out, great God. We can't contain ourselves, in fact, because it's the best news in all the world. 
And Lord, thank You for the prayers of Your people this morning. You've heard these prayers. You are moving. Things are, are shifting, Lord. Barriers are being broken down in the Name of Jesus. Great God, draw many to Yourself, we pray. Many, Lord. God of mercy and compassion, Lord, we thank You. Move in the hearts of many, we pray. And Lord, we pray, continue to lead us. Keep us close to You, great God. Maybe You people to seek You with all of our hearts, every area of our lives, Lord, humbly following You, dependent upon You, great God. This is our prayer. And as we do that, Lord, that many, many will be drawn into Your Kingdom, great God. So we thank You, Lord. Thank You for the promises found in You, these truths in You. And so we leave this morning, Lord, as we head out, bless our conversations, Lord, as the worship begins this week, as we head out to live for You, we thank You that You are with us and that You are for us, great God. And so we pray Your blessing now in Jesus' Name. And everyone said... Amen. Please be seated. Thanks so much for sharing with us. Those linking in online with us this morning as well. If you want prayer, you can email through to the church office, prayeratbridgeman.org.au or come and see us this morning. And just a reminder, we're exiting out through the side doors as well. God bless.